Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Today we are starting a new series as a church. And over the next eight weeks, we are going to be delving into the book of Jonah together. Doing an eight-week study looking into the book of Jonah. I've called it Jonah is a restoration narrative. And so, like I said, eight weeks, we're going to be delving into this book, unpacking it. What does it mean for us today as well? What can we learn from it as well? And this came about, I was on, God always speaks when I'm on holiday. I need to talk to him. (laughs) Time of rest, time of recuperation, but I think it's in that time of rest and recuperation when the noise is suppressed that God really can break through. And I was on holiday in Scotland and... He just downloaded, and eight weeks of, of material came to mind and breaking through the book of Jonah, and I'm thinking, this is not just for me, this is for us as Centre Church. It's not just for Centre Church, it's for us individually, and I'm very excited to see what God can bring about through this series. Just to give you a bit of background to the book of Jonah, if you weren't aware already, Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet during the reign of Jeroboam II in 8th century BC. If you like history, that's a bit of history for you. The book of Jonah is unique as well as it's actually not a collection of oracles or prophetic statements. It actually only contains one verse of prophecy in the entire book. Rather, what it does is it focuses on the narrative around the prophet himself. Now, Jonah was Israel's foreign missionary in that he went with a message from God to a foreign people where his role was to represent the attitude of many in Israel towards other nations. Now, what we're going to understand when we read through this uh, narrative is that it was an attitude that instead of accepting the calling as a nation to help those foreign nations come to know the true God, instead they considered them enemies and expected God to destroy them. This narrative, as we're going to unpack it in the next eight weeks, reveals how God's plans and purposes supersedes our own wants and desires. God is in the restorative business. He's in the restoration business, not only for you, not only for me, not only for us as Centre Church, but also for all those we're commanded to go out and reach. Because we're commanded to go, to reach, to reach other people in this world, to tell them the good news. And God can bring restoration in their lives as he's also brought restoration in our lives. The first two weeks, we're going to be looking in just the first chapter of Jonah. And I've entitled this message, He Who Runs. He Who Runs. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to delve into Jonah. The first chapter, I've prepared the PowerPoint as well, so it will come up behind me. But if you want to follow along in your Bibles, welcome to do so. So Jonah, chapter 1, and it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. 
After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man's life for you. O Lord, have done, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. The first chapter of Jonah, and there's quite a lot in there. And like I said, we're focusing on this thought process of he who runs. And even before I break this down, the first thing I want to highlight is even in the first verse, we see this statement, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. As soon as I was reading this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, I stopped. These prophets, these individuals used by God, the word of the Lord, God speaks to them to go and minister on his behalf. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, yet he ran in the other direction. The word of the Lord also comes to you and to me. Whether it is a call to serve, to go, to move from where you are, to an attitude change or a habitual change, through scripture and through other means, the word of the Lord can come to us, speaking to us. Yet, we too can run away from moving in what God is instructing us to do. And so I want to bring up a few points that, just to highlight this a little bit more. And the first one is this. Running away is rebelling against God. Running away from God is actively rebelling against God. Jonah was commissioned by God to go and preach against Nineveh, informing the inhabitants that God had taken note of their wickedness. Go to this great city and speak to it. 
their trouble concerns me. Go and tell them that their trouble concerns me. Now, God's call on our lives is not necessary for our benefit, but usually the benefit of others. He uses us to, to go on his behalf, to act on his behalf, to serve on his behalf, to bring breakthrough on his behalf. We grow as a result of that walking in obedience, but others are also the benefactors. It's not just about us. But you see, this, this going, this thing about going and serving God and stepping out, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of others, is becoming more and more countercultural today. Especially in the West. We see it so, so clearly today. A me-centric view is prevalent. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I desire. It all centers about me. And if you don't agree with me, you're wrong and I'm right. That's what we're seeing more and more today. God's call on your life, God's call on my life, God's call for us as a church is more just about us, about our comfort and about our security, what we want to be or how we think God should act. And as we see from Jonah and his response, he was evidently upset and disgruntled by what God was calling him to do. No doubt feeling that if he ran away, God would provide someone else to go on his behalf. Someone else can do it. Someone else can go and do that. I'm not willing to do that. God, can you, you can use someone else. I'm going to run in the other direction. Going in the opposite direction was Jonah's advo- avoidance and having any part in Nineveh's repentance. I don't want to do that. And I think that we too can get disgruntled by being asked to do something we don't like doing. How many times have you been asked to do something that you don't like doing? Think about it. It could be anything. I live at home with my family at the moment, and I, we don't have a dishwasher. I am the dishwasher. Me and my sister are the dishwashers. And sometimes after dinner, you know, okay, we know it's our job to clean up. And it's like, oh, guys, we'll leave the dishes to you. And I can get upset. I can get disgruntled. I just can't do this today. The water makes my hands all wrinkled. (laughs) And you can get frustrated at even the smallest things. But then it's almost taking a step back and understanding that, of course, it's service. It's serving. It's shaping me. It's It's putting in me a discipline, a helpful discipline. But also it's benefiting my parents is benefiting them because they poured so much in my lives. What's but a little bit of washing up each day to serve them and to help them? But even in the bigger things, God calls, our, calls us to do things. He instructs us by our word how we are to act as a church, how we are to follow him. And we can get disgruntled. We can say, I don't, that, I don't, dis, I don't agree with that. Or as we're seeing, in, I would say in some churches, and it's for us to check ourselves, we can say that's not applicable today. It's God's word. If he speaks it, if he has said it, it's applicable. We can get disgruntled by being asked to do something we don't like doing. The word instructs us we may not like it. We may be challenged by it. But obedience to it serves a greater purpose than just what we want to do or not want to do. It serves his kingdom purpose. That's a great thing to be a part of. 
Now, when we look at the prophet Jonah, this is the only instance in Scripture of a prophet actively disobeying God. Others disagreed with God. Others questioned God. I think of like Moses or Jeremiah. They questioned God, but they still ended up doing it. Jonah actively disobeyed God and ran in the other direction. The question that I want to present to us, both collectively as a church and individually, is why, if we do, why is it that we get that compulsion instead of stepping out into what God is calling us to do? Why is it we have that compulsion to turn in the other direction? To also maybe to step back and say, no. Maybe we've got that in our mind, that thought process of someone else can serve. Someone else can do that. I am too busy. I don't want to, to do that. I'm too tired. I've got a lot going on my plate right now. But if God is telling you to do it, if God is instructing you to do it, you do it. No matter how difficult it may be. Perhaps maybe we're blaming God for something. He has not moved in our lives in a way we desire or expect. So we're reluctant to step out and serve for him because we ourselves wrestle with our own perception of God and who he is and how he acts and how he moves. Many servants of the Lord throughout history have mistakenly thought they could get away from the Lord. That they could run in the other direction and escape the consequences of his actions by changing their location. But what we're going to discover more so in the book of Jonah is that this is not possible. I want to draw your attention to a psalm that many of us will no doubt be familiar with. It's Psalm 139. And it's verses 7 to 10. It will come up behind me. And it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. The omnipresent, the everywhere present nature of God is so clearly described. There, but also we will see it in Jonah. As well. One theologian, A.W. Tozer, says this No one is in mere distance any further from or any nearer to God than any other person is. We may feel far from God, but God is not far from you. We may feel like I, God is so far, I can't sense God. He is present. It may actually be the fact that you, in your thought, in your heart, in your attitudes, are actually far from him. You see, escaping or that feeling of running away can also come about because we're unsure of what we're stepping into. How many of you have had that? I don't know what's ahead, and I don't want to step until I kind of get a few few of the details together. I kind of need, God, could you give me A, B, C, and D, maybe E and F? And while we're at it, give me G as well. And then we just keep adding to it and say, until we get the whole alphabet. And then I'll step out and walk and trust in you. You know, it, when it's not clear, when it's not defined, when not all the points are clarified, when we don't have all the answers, sometimes we're reluctant to step out in what God is asking us to step into. 
The thing is, is that when you look at Jonah, that was not the case. He knew exactly where God was sending him to. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do because God had told him. Yet he still ran in the other direction. And so the question that I'm going to want to raise to you as a church is, are you running from God? Is he asking you to do something, but you're running in the other direction? And like I said, it could be any manner of things. Is it a call to serve, but you're saying not now? Is that a habitual change, a spiritual change, a thought process, but you're running in another direction? You're reluctant to step into that. Are you running away from the Lord? Matthew Henry states this. The ready way, it's the next slide. The ready way is not always the right way. That's a challenge. It may look like it's all picture perfect, but it may not be the way that God wants you to go. We may not know all the details. We may not have everything in place before we step, but we must rest in the knowledge that God is the one that has it all in control. He is the one that has it all together. We may not know, but he does. Isn't that good? You know, I don't want to know. If I knew all the things of God, I wouldn't trust him, would I? I wouldn't need him. It's where faith builds. It's where faith rises. I don't know, but you do, so I trust in you. I'm going to walk with you. I don't think my feeble mind could even comprehend the things of God. Scripture says that. It's limited. We just have to be willing to serve as he calls and instructs. Church, are you running from God? Are you running from what he's calling you to do? And the next thing I want to highlight is that our actions often speak louder than our words. In other, th- in other words, do we fear God? Do we fear him? By cultural identity, Jonah was a God-fearer. But in terms of his response to God's call, he did not act like someone who feared the Lord. And I want to highlight this in verses 7 to 10 in Jonah chapter 1. If we actually look at verse 9 and his response to the sailors, he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. He confessed that he followed the Lord. He confessed with his words that I'm following God. This is to God. This is who I am. I'm a Hebrew. I follow God. And he declared that this God made the sea, made the land, on which, the sea on which they traveled. And the amazing thing is, this convinced the sailors that Jonah had done something very serious. His response, what he was saying, alerted the sailors to what was going on. It was obvious to them that Jonah's God was after him. It was obvious to those sailors that God had sent this storm to put him in his hands. And ironically, what was so clear to those sailors who had no relationship, had no knowledge of God, was obscured to the runaway prophet. He confessed that he followed God. Yet the storms were raging. He was running in the other other direction, and the sailors could see it. When they found out who he was, they could see it. And what's in conflict here is what I call confessional theology in conflict with functional theology. I'll explain this. 
Jonah confessed what he believed or held to, but he was not living it out practically. He confessed to follow God, yet he was running in the other direction of what God was calling him to do. Confessional theology is typically measured by whether or not we believe or hold to particular creeds or statement of faith. So I said, I believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe in that. I believe in his act of salvation. I believe in God. And our functional theology is where a confession of what we believe impacts our life. I believe in this, and that transforms my life. So I begin to act in relation to what I believe in. Jonah wasn't doing that. He confessed that. I, this is the God in whom I serve, in whom I follow. Yet, everything else was showing that he was not following that God, his God. Throughout Scripture, we see the challenge to not just know the word, but to live the word out in our everyday I've got a few verses that will come up behind me just to highlight this. There's so many, but these are just a few. In 1 John 3, 18, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. The evidence of genuine love is not verbal professions, but vital performances, concrete acts rather than empty words. So again, I can profess with my with my tongue, I can profess in my words that I, I love my fiance. I can profess that I love her, but my actions can do something else. Will you drive me back home to Colchester? No, you can do it yourself. That's not saying that I love her. That's not proving that I love her. No, I will go, I will, you can, I will drive you back to, to Colchester there and back again as much as you like. My act is proving what I profess. You understand? Yes? James 1.22, 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. In the context of that passage, we are encouraged to persevere in God's will when we are tempted to depart from it. It's a call to obedience. And in James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without obedience to the word of God is dead. James is stating, if you profess to live for God, stating that his word is the word, is the truth, but not actively speaking that truth to others, not living that truth out for others to see, your faith is dead. It has no impact. It has no value. It will not bring transformation for, other, for ourselves nor others. If we confess that we believe in God, are we practically living that out in our everyday? If you are running from God, if you are running from God, your actions are declaring that you do not fear him. Jonah's actions was declaring, I don't fear God. He is... I decide what is best for me. I decide what is right for me. He didn't fear the Lord in that moment. Ironically, those sailors did. As soon as they heard who Jonah was, they understood. Jonah professed faith in a sovereign God, yet by trying to escape from the Lord, he denied his belief in God's sovereignty. 
again, I ask the question, are you running from God? Are you running from God? And the final thing I want to raise this morning is that running can do more harm than good. See, rather than becoming an instrument of salvation, Jonah became an object for destruction because he rebelled against God. See, the consequences of our actions can cause a ripple effect that, that go beyond the Im- immediate impact on ourselves. We think we're making a decision. It's like, I'm not ready to do this. So we're kind of looking after ourselves and protecting ourselves in a way. But we forget that that decision, that running in the opposite direction, has a ripple effect to what God wanted us to do in the first place. The sailors were impacted by Jonah's rebellion because of the storm that rose up. Even more importantly, the people to whom Jonah was instructed to go were in danger of missing out on God's word for them. Yet, they wouldn't even know it. And I kind of think about the people in our community, those that we may see on an everyday basis. If we're not living for God, if we're not speaking him out, or if our lives are not reflecting of the faith we profess in him, they are missing out on God's best for them because they're not going to see it, and they wouldn't even know. There is a knock-on effect to those we encounter, even ourselves personally. Jonah had already admitted he was running away from the Lord. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and all that Jonah had fled to avoid. I'll start that sentence again. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. Here's an interesting point. I, I missed my full stop in my sentence there. Here's an interesting point, and I want to just help us to reflect on this. All that, all that Jonah had fled to avoid actually happened before his eyes in that moment. Those who didn't know the Lord were beginning to fear him, the sailors. He was running away from God's call to go to the city of Nineveh to preach against them, to highlight to them their wickedness, and, and which could bring about repentance on their behalf. He was running away from that. But by running away in disobedience, the saviors could see what was going on and it in turn called them to fear the Lord. Those who don't, didn't know the Lord were beginning to fear him, yet Jonah had retreated to a place where he accepted the consequences of his actions. It blows my mind, this statement. When you look in that first chapter, It's so ironic. Whereas Jonah didn't fear the Lord, the pagan sailors did. They turned around to fear the Lord. Those who did not know God could see through the disobedience of Jonah, God's sovereignty displayed. He is the God of the sea, of the land. This is true. This storm is because of that. They were turning, they were beginning to fear him. The important point I want to raise there is that God can still move through our disobedience, but it does not give us permission to go in the opposite direction. Even if we turn our back and rebel against him, God can still move through that because he is God. He is sovereign. He will bring about his, his will and his purposes, even in our disobedience. But what it doesn't give us that permission to still run away from him. 
what it should do is reveal even more his sovereignty and his lordship. You see, Jonah could have repented. This is the thing from this, what I read in this account. Jonah could have repented in that moment. And he could have told the sailors, turn around, head back to Joppa. If he really intended to obey the Lord, he could say, turn around, go back. Okay, I see what God is doing. I'm going to do what he says. He could have done it in that moment. Surely this would have resulted in God withholding his judgment. However, Jonah's response revealed he was not ready to obey. When you read it through in chapter 1, he wasn't ready to obey God. He retreated. We, you and I, we can live in that place of regret. When things, maybe we've made a mistake and we feel like there's no hope. I'm far gone. I'm too far gone. There's no hope. What will be, will be. Say, be. What will be, will be. And as I said in my testimony, there is always hope. There is always hope. You're not too far gone. If you've stumbled and fell, God is there by your side, ready to pick you up. Are you ready to grab his hand? Are you ready to trust in him? Well, I, in one point, I'm admired, but I'm also not admired by Jonah's response. He, he could have repented. What he did was he had compassion on the sailors in his suggestion to throw him overboard. Throw me overboard, and then you will no longer be under God's judgment. Like this, this, it's me. He's, he recognized, he was beginning to see it's me that God is upset with. Throw me overboard. However, what struck me was he was more willing to, in his mind, die than obey God. So let that sink in. Yet God was building up the storm. The boat was all up. You could tell that God was after him. Yet instead of repenting and turning in the other direction in this moment... Jonah was like, just throw me overboard. You'll be free from this. He was more willing to die, more willing to to face whatever the sea had than obey God. No doubt he realized God was disciplining him, yet he was still not willing to walk in obedience and run to God. I want to turn your eyes to Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Saying that we follow God, if we say we follow God, we're a disciple of God, we believe in God, if we say these things, that we follow Christ, it requires self-denial in the most fundamental areas of individuality. What I want to say is, it's not a denying of things. So it's like, it's okay to enjoy some things. Like ice cream on a hot day. It's okay to enjoy these things. But rather, it's a denying one's authority over his or her life. God has the ultimate say-so. And this is a challenge, one that Jonah was not initially willing to abide by. To say no to self and yes to God. I don't want to go to Nineveh, so I'm going to go in the other direction. What 
one final quote that I want to bring this morning. Again, it's the next slide. You cannot cannot always interpret the good circumstances of being God's will and the unfavorable circumstances as not being God's will. Sometimes we're looking, looking for everything to align. This is in place, that's in place. This is good, I've got this, I've got that. Great, I can step, it's good. God wants it because everything's good. It's lined up. But there are going to be times when God is going to call us some things and we look upon it and it's like, oh, I don't like this. And it looks unfavorable. It looks challenging. It looks daunting. But if God has said it, let's walk in obedience. Because even in those unfavorable circumstances, it can be in the moments where God can bring the biggest breakthroughs. Because it refines us. It builds up our faith, but also in those walking in those unfavorable circumstances speaks so much to those that will look upon our lives. Are you running from God? Is a challenge. Is a is a, is a challenge that we must must ask ourselves. And to conclude, I just want to share a few thoughts. Just a few final thoughts in reflection. The extent to which we can omit our tendency to run from God is the extent to which we can experience the grace of God in our lives. In other words, we need to admit there are times when we are running from God. And when we omit it, then we can experience God's grace and power in a a new way. Sometimes we have omit that we are running We don't like to admit when we're doing something sometimes. I know there have been different times in my life when maybe it's a a habitual thing or a thought thought thing, and I realize this is is walking a different, complete, different way than God wants me to by his word. So I need to admit that. God, I'm thinking the wrong things. I'm walking in the wrong ways here. I need to come back to that place of surrender. And only when we come to that place, then God can move in that in us and through us. I'm going to say to every single one of you that God is calling each one of you into something specific. He has made you with a specific purpose. We all have giftings, a purpose that God can use for his glory, but also for the benefit of each other. And it could be in a local capacity or something significant elsewhere. And we're either willing to step into that or we're retreating, running in the other direction, not willing to step out. Are you running from God or running towards him and for him? Jonah ran. Jonah ran from God. But as we continue this series, we're going to discover that God was not done with him. God was not done with him. And I want to say that to you, like you may be running in the other direction and you may not be ready to walk with God. I don't believe God is done with you either. God is right next to you. You just got to turn back to him. What are you telling me to do, Lord? And I'm going to walk in obedience to you. It's a challenge.
And so I don't know where some of you are. Like I said, I believe this series is for us as a church, collectively for us individually. And we're going to unpack it more and more as the weeks unfold. And it's good. But sometimes we need to ask those difficult questions of ourselves. Am I running away from God? Am I not walking in obedience to him? Am I turning away, turning my back on him? Is he telling me to step into something? Am I willing to do that? No matter how difficult it is, no matter how unfavorable it may look, if God has instructed that of us, be obedient. Because then we're going to see a mighty move of God. I believe that. I don't, I don't believe, this is why I called it the restoration narrative, because I believe Centre Church is going through a, a period of restoration. God is not done with Centre Church. God's not done with you. Let's go on this journey and be transformed and believe for greater things to come. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centrechurch.com.